Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. We are in a great series this morning, and I am so honored to introduce the person who's speaking this morning. She has, um, she was up here dedicating her child. She's been a part of this church, and she really has a heart for Jesus. And so we asked her to come share the word of God this morning. Would you give it up for Alyssa Bear as she comes to share God's word this morning with us? Am I on? I need to know. Yeah. Well, awesome. I'm so happy to be with you here this morning. If you prayed for my child, thank you so much. We appreciate that here at Luminous, that we are a family, and it really does take a village for sure. Um, but I'm just really happy to be with you here this morning. It makes me feel good. It does my heart good because that means I didn't totally vomit last time that I was up here. And Pastor Ben asked me back. So I'm really, um, again, ecstatic and appreciative to be able to share with you this morning. Now, most of you remember last time that I was up here, I was 37 weeks pregnant. Yeah, 37 weeks. Pastor Ben's pretty brave. Uh, Because actually the next week, my son came. He came at 38 weeks. So had he come a week before, this would have been a totally different sermon series. So we're glad that uh, he waited. I'm going to put his picture up here just because he's so cute and his little dimples and I don't know where he got his dimples from. I'm assuming dad, because he has a little, one little dimple on the side. But his name is Malachi Caden Bear, And he's been a great, just beautiful addition to our family. Um, and I, I might add, it's our complete family, okay? I mean, we are done. And if you think differently, that is totally okay. Um, if you ever want to babysit, you can do that as well. But this is our complete family. And I only need one person to be in agreement with me about that. You know, that's my husband. So if you're not in agreement, that's totally okay, because he is, and I love him so much uh, for that. But this morning, we're just going to go ahead and just jump right in. Uh, We have a lot to cover in a short amount of time, and I'm really excited about what we are going to cover this morning. We started this sermon series from here to there about two weeks ago, uh, in the beginning of December, just in time for the holidays. And so far, we've covered from here to there, the Grinch to Grace, And we talked about the matters of our heart, the heart problems that we experienced during this season. We wrote down our heart problems on our snowflakes. Uh, And then last week, we went from here to there, and we went from fear to faith. And we talked about how fear can really lead down to a road of fantasy in your spiritual life and how that's just a downward spiral and how God allows us to overcome that as well. Pastor Ben's done a phenomenal job of taking us from here to there in these past couple of weeks. And today, we are going to do the same thing. We're going to go from here to there. And what we're going to cover is from barren to conception. Sounds like really big words, right? Well, it's really, really not. What we're going to go from is from emptiness to fulfillment. We're going to go from nothing to something. We're going to go from barren to conception. And most importantly, there's going to be two things that I want to leave you with today. If you're a note taker, makes me feel good because it means that you're paying attention. Um, if you're on your phone, I'm going to assume you're not on Facebook or Instagram. You're, you're, you're actually taking notes on the sermon. So 
Uh, if you can write these down, these are going to be the two things that we will be covering today. Number one, we're going to talk how barren faith can potentially lead to you missing out on your blessing, okay? And then the second point we're going to cover is how, on the contrary, believing leads to you conceiving a new faith in your life. We're going to cover the first point to begin with. I know we're not going to talk about the act of conceiving, okay? I I know some some of y'all might be excited for that, but that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. We are going to actually talk about the literal meaning of the word, and that means to form or to create or to produce something new inside of us. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about this morning. If you'll just turn with me, uh, your Bibles, to Luke 1, that's where we're going to be all morning. Uh, You don't have to go back and forth through your Bible. We're going to stay in Luke 1 uh, most of this morning. And what I really want to do is I want to take you on a journey of Zechariah's faith in this book of, of Luke 1. I want to take you on a journey of how his lack of faith allowed him to potentially miss out on his blessing, but how God is a God of redemption, and he doesn't leave you there, and how his story ended in song and praise and believing and conceiving a beautiful son who was going to lead the way before the Lord. He was going to actually baptize the Lord, and I'm just going to talk about how God brings redemption to our lives in those things. I'm going to talk about how he questioned what the Lord had spoken over his life, like some of us do in this room, right? I know I'm very much so guilty of that. But I'm going to also talk about how he then ended in believing the very things that God had spoken over his life. So buckle up with me. I really do feel like Zechariah's story is going to really resonate with a lot of us in here, especially in this season. You see, Christmas is an interesting season. It can either bring joy and happiness, you know, you're, you're, you're baking cookies and you're putting up your Christmas tree, or on the contrary, it can, be, it can bring sorrow, maybe some grief, maybe you're missing someone this season that's not here with you this season, or maybe financially you didn't have enough to provide for the exact gifts that you wanted to get for your children, right? But what I want to talk about most importantly is how we can remove that lack of faith in our lives so that we don't have to suffer the consequences of disbelief. I'll say that again. Removing the lack of faith in our lives allows us to not miss out on the very things that God has for us to not suffer of the consequences of disbelief. So before we begin this morning, I always like to pray, and I do this because I'm not up here for any other reason than to put out what God has put inside of me. So let's just pray. Father God, we thank you this morning Thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to congregate in a place, Lord, where we can freely worship you, where we can freely hear your word. Lord, I ask, Lord, that every word that is spoken, Lord, every word that is thought of is ordained by you, God, and that people would walk out differently this morning than when they came in, that they would be fully equipped with the things that they need for this holiday season. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So what we're going to start with this morning is... We're going to talk about Zechariah's faith. I know when you think about barrenness, you might think that we're going to actually talk about the barrenness of Elizabeth, right? Elizabeth was the wife of Zechariah, and she had been barren for many years. But as I was studying and I was reading over the scripture, I really felt like the Lord was like, no, 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 Alyssa. We're not going to talk about the barrenness of Elizabeth. We're going to talk about the barrenness of her husband. We're going to talk about the barrenness of the lack of faith that he had and how that resulted in affecting the lives of those around him. Now, how many of you know the song Waymaker in this this room? 
Waymaker. See, we have a bunch of good Christians in here. Yes. You, you listen to the, I hope you're listening to this jam and not um, uh, other jams that are on the radio right now because it's pretty bad. Um, but uh, Way, <laughs> Waymaker is one of my favorite songs. I'm not going to sing it, although you might want to hear my voice. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. <clears throat> but I am going to recite the words because I think they're so important and they're so relevant to my message today. So it says something like this. It says, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And I find myself really loving this song, and I play it on the way to work. Uh, I, I play it all the time so my kids can learn it. And unfortunately, although I'm singing these words, I still feel like sometimes I doubt to believe that he truly is the way maker and the miracle worker and the promise keeper. For example, in my life, um, for example, going to college for me, right, was a, was a big thing. I, I desired to go to college, but I just don't think I fully believed that the Lord would have done that in my life. I grew up in a very financially struggling family, and I just didn't think attending a four-year university was actually going to happen. But I love that my God is a way maker, and he made a way regardless of my level of faith, right? And then uh, I remember <laughs> after that, the school loans that came with attending that school. And I didn't think that God was going to allow me to pay that off. Uh, I entered a marriage with a bunch of school loans, and my husband didn't have any. And I felt really bad about that. But God is good, and he is a way maker. We were able to pay off those school loans last year. See? Or also, I would say, my ability to be up here. I always desired to maybe feel like God had gifted me um, with the gift of speaking, uh, but, I, but I don't know if I truly believe that he was going to operate in a way that would maneuver a, a journey for me to actually be on stage. But again, my lack of faith doesn't depend on how God works in my life. So I love that I'm up here with you and I'm sharing, and I'm sharing these specific stories because that's exactly what's happening with Zechariah in the beginning of Luke 1. So just to give you a little bit of backstory, he was a priest. He was really uh, seen as uh, someone who was devout. He was a priest in the time of King Herod, and uh, he was a wonderful man. He served the Lord fervently, uh, and not only him, but his wife. His wife served the Lord as well, and so they were seen as two people who were upright and who were blameless, but unfortunately, uh, Elizabeth had been barren for many years. What I want to specifically talk about is how Zechariah's lack of belief affected his life in this situation. And so we're going to start. We're going to start. I want you to bear with me. We're going to go over a lot of scripture this morning. But I think it's important to truly go over every single bit because it, it, all, it all comes to fruition. So if we can start, we're going to start in Luke 1, 6. If you can turn your Bibles with me to Luke 1, 6, we'll go through that. It says in Luke uh, verse 6, it says, both of them were righteous in the sight of God observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Now, I studied a little bit about this because I was wondering, well, how old exactly was she? And back in those days, uh, and maybe still today, uh, she was over the years of childbearing. So she was older than childbearing years. And, and in history, it says that she was at least, <coughs> excuse me, she was at least 60. She was at least 60 years of age or older. 
Then it says in verse 11, Then the angel of the Lord appeared for them, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. How amazing is that? Who would want to receive that message? I know I would. That would be great. In verse 16 it says, He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make already a people prepared for the Lord. And so in the beginning of this message, it's really a miracle, right? He's seeing this angel and the angel's trying to tell him the miraculous news of what's about to happen. And here's the interesting part. This is the first thing that Zechariah does in verse 18. Says Zechariah then asked the angel, But how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Verse 19 says, Then the angel said to him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. But now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this happens. Because what? Because you did not believe in my words which will come true at their appointed time. I feel like Zechariah is in this temple. It's a very special time. When you would go into this temple to burn incense, you were chosen by lot. So you were cho chosen by chance. And this only occurred about once a year. So I feel like he's excited. He's, he's going to get this opportunity to um, really serve the Lord in this way, right? And then he sees this angel and I don't know what Angel looked like. I don't know what Gabriel looked like. I, I, he could have like had a light in the middle of his forehead, or he could have just been so beautiful that he was gripped with fear because he didn't know what to do with himself. Then I imagine afterward, he walks outside of, of the temple, and it says that people start, started looking at him like, what is going on with you? Because he couldn't talk. They had, it, the angel had literally muted him. So he's trying to make these hand signals, I'm assuming. And then I imagine... Him being able to go home to his wife and not even be able to audibly speak to her and tell her, we're going to conceive. After all of these years of prayer and faithfulness that they had had, the lack of faith that he had in asking that one question, how is this going to happen, literally changed his speech. It changed his language. So he wasn't able to share with his wife that they were going to conceive. But on top of that, he wasn't even able to have a pre-gender reveal party for them, right? <laughs> How many of us know we're having gender reveals parties like every other weekend at this point? Uh, and, and the amazing thing was that Zechariah not only knew that they were going to conceive, he knew that they were going to conceive a son. And he could not even share that with his wife. Or I think, I think about maybe Elizabeth needing a foot rub, Maybe her back hurt, lower back pain is a killer, I'm telling you. Uh, you know, I think about him not being able to comfort her in those moments. I think about her delivering John or, you know, being in wherever she was and, 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 and in the process of delivering him and her husband not being able to tell her, good job, honey, you're almost there because he was muted. See, the lack of faith that we have in our lives doesn't only affect us, it affects those 
closest to us. It affects those around us. See, we can be so busy questioning the blessing of God that we miss out on the actual blessing that he's trying to give us. See, because he didn't believe in this moment, he was affected. He was so focused on what God had not done that he wasn't focused on what God could do in his life. He was so focused on the years of barrenness that he didn't understand that God was giving him fruit in that very moment. And that's something I really want to take away this morning. I want you to take away that this morning. I recently had, in my own life, a really unfruitful situation. Uh, I had years of turmoil with my mom. I, I'm 30 years old, and I can't tell you a year that I had with my mom that I was joyful, that I was truly joyful. And unfortunately, that's the circumstance of some of us here today in this very room. Maybe not your mom, but maybe a, a father or maybe an uncle. And uh, I, I love that, that God is a God of redemption, right? And so I had had all this lack of faith through these years with my relationship with my, with my mom. And I decided, you know what, I'm 30. Like, we might as well fix it, right? I mean, we have grandkids now. We might as well fix it. And uh, I had an opportune time to do that. My mom was visiting us about a month ago. Um, if you ever know, parents don't visit you because they want to visit you. They visit you because they want to visit the grandkids, okay? So she wasn't there for me, clearly, um, but she was there. And, uh, but fortunately, it gave me a time to talk with her. And we had dropped the kids off at school, and we had gone to go have breakfast together. We were having a cup of coffee, and I just felt the Lord tell me in that moment, you need to fix things with your mom. I was like, okay. So I remember sitting there. And I just started talking. I started sharing my heart. I started sharing it in a way that wasn't harsh or bitter. And the Lord just began moving. And it was one of the most fruitful conversations I had had with my mom in 30 years. Probably not 30 because I, like, I probably couldn't talk from ages like 1 to 3, so probably like 27 years. But it was one of the most fruitful conversations, and it really changed the trajectory of our relationship. See, I have been serving the Lord for almost 10 years now serving him in his church, loving him. But I knew that bringing my mom and my relationship up wasn't something to do because I just didn't believe that it was possible. There was a lack of faith there that I thought if I would bring it, God wouldn't really do it. I spent years with my mouth shut like Zechariah, years not enjoying her presence, years not enjoying her seeing, seeing her with her grandchildren because of the lack of faith that I had for God to fix our relationship. Let me tell you something, I was wrong. I was very, very, very wrong. And that is exactly what's going on right now with Zechariah. His desire for certainty allowed him to be filled with doubt instead. See, his desire for 100% certainty is one of the main causes of doubt in his life. And same for us. The desire to really know, is it going to happen when you said it's going to happen, is the greatest barrier to faith that we have in our current circumstance. But I truly believe that the angel Gabriel really shut his mouth in that moment to say, you know what, son? Maybe God was saying in that moment, son, I'm not, I'm not going to allow you to speak doubt over your situation anymore. I'm not going to allow you to speak something that's going to bring death instead of life into your circumstance. See, our faith creates patience, and our faith allows us to remove doubt from each circumstance. But most importantly, our faith makes us rely on the only one that can truly move mountains in our lives. And that brings me to my second point. 
Zechariah is then believing to actually conceiving. So I'm going to go over a couple of, of scripture of what happens in the second part where Zechariah is redeemed and the Lord fills him up with something so beautiful. We'll go to verse 57. It says, when it was time for Elizabeth to have a baby, she gave birth, her baby, sorry, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared in her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother, Elizabeth, spoke up and said, no, his name is to be called John. They said to her, but wait, there's no one in your family that's named John. They made signs to the father instead because they weren't really listening to the mom, what, the, what, what Elizabeth was saying. So they made father, signs to the father instead, and they said, you know, what do you want your son to be named? And it says right here, he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote on the tablet, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was set free and he began to speak and he began to praise God. I could just imagine in that moment it was just like, <gasps> right? And I think about how his barren faith ended up in song and praise. His faith was restored in the moment that he called his God-given blessing by the name that it was always meant to be called. So when we call poverty in our life, poverty, and we don't change that to knowing that God has already given us his riches, and God has already given us his joy, and we speak that in our lives, that we're speaking death over a life circumstance. When we begin to say, you know what, my marriage is never going to be fixed. I'm always going to be happy. The grass is always going to be greener on the other side. Then we're going to begin to live that thing in our lives. When we start thinking about our children, our children are never going to obey. I don't know if they're ever going to serve the Lord. When you change your language and you change your praise, it can break the circumstance that you're currently living in your life. And you have to understand that the power of your language can change any circumstance in your life. In 2016, uh, me and my husband had just been married a couple of months earlier, and he was in a really toxic job. Very toxic, um, really negative, and we decided that it was time for him to get out. And so... He, we knew that the only caveat to him starting a new job was that he was going to have to start at the bottom of the barrel. But we knew, okay, well, we're going to make this sacrifice now, and we'll, we'll it eventually pay off in the future. What we didn't do right was that we had just had a newborn. We had just had my daughter, Maya, and she was about three months old, and it was a rough road for us. We didn't know the amount of sacrifice that it was going to actually take. At first, he commuted an hour to work and an hour back every single day and then that turned into him working the night shift so he would leave at five he would get to work by six he would get off at six he wouldn't be home till seven I was at home with my newborn by myself and if any of y'all have a newborn in here y'all know that is rough okay by yourself my husband was struggling with wanting to be there for me I was struggling with not being mad at him because he wasn't there for me it, it, it was just a, a huge big mess but we knew that we were going to have faith to keep going and that eventually we wanted to be in the corporate office. That was the goal. We're going to start at the bottom of the barrel, and we are going to end up in the corporate office. I remember there would be times that he would come home from work after he had reviews with his boss, and his boss would tell him, well, you know, what are your plans? And he would say, I want to go to the corporate office. And they would say things like, eh, that's not going to happen. Or, yeah, no one in the warehouse ever ends up in the corporate office. Or they would really just laugh 
at the fact that he even wanted to go to the corporate office. And so after a, a year or so of hearing that over and over and over again, we began to believe the same thing. You know what? Maybe God doesn't hear us. You know what? Maybe we didn't make the right move. Maybe we made the wrong move and God is punishing us, right? That you begin to think things that people speak over your lives. So be careful about what people speak over your life. So we started thinking that. And I remember it was one day, clear as day, we were sitting on a couch. Um, he was off that day. I had this ugly red couch. And it was bought before I married Chase because Chase would have never allowed me to buy a red couch. I had a red couch and a white couch. I had a red couch with a white love seat. I mean, who does that? I mean, it, it was horrible. But anyway, nonetheless, nonetheless, the, the ugly couch still served its purpose. And we were sitting on the couch, and uh, my husband was telling me about how he was feeling in his situation, and he just began to weep. And he was just crying. Now, I can count on the number of uh, fingers on my hand how many times I've seen Chase cry. And so I knew it was serious. And he was just weeping and weeping. And I could feel the weakness in him. I could feel how defeated he was. And so I began to weep. Because if you've ever seen a man cry, it makes you cry. I don't care who you are. If you see a man cry, you're going to cry. And so I started crying. And we're weeping there together. We're holding each other. And he's crying. And I'm thinking, God, well, what do we do? I mean, how, how do we get out of this situation? Still serving the Lord this entire time. So we decided from that day forward that we were going to start operating in faith rather than lack of faith. We started saying, okay, not if we get the promotion, but when we get the promotion. We started shopping for corporate clothes. I remember we went to Macy's and we started buying slacks and belts and button-ups and all these shoes. And I remember we, we bought that before he had even applied for any job because we started believing that God was going to work. We started believing that God was going to work. We started doing mock interviews in our living room. We would sit down in the living room and I would say, Chase Jobert, so tell me a little bit about yourself. And we used to Google questions that people would ask you in an interview. Tell me your greatest strengths. Tell me your greatest weaknesses, right? And we started practicing that over and over and over again. We began to speak life over what seemed like a dead circumstance in our life. Now, I'm not going to tell you that it happened in a day. I'm not going to tell you what happened in a month. It took two years of fervently praying for a position to open and Chase to apply and to him, for him to end up in the corporate office. And he did. See, I imagine these 10 months and eight days that Zechariah was silent. And I say 10 months because everybody needs to know in here, pregnancy is not nine months. Okay? You got to go through the ninth month. So it's really 10 months. So it's 10 months and eight days because it took eight days for them to circumcise him as well, right? And he was forced to be silent. I can imagine at this time that he was unable to speak, that he had a lot of time to think. He had a lot of time to realize that the power of his language could change his circumstance, which is why the first thing that he did when his mouth was open was he began to praise. Immediately it says, he didn't open his mouth and say, great, God, oh, thank you for keeping me silent for these 10 months. I didn't, didn't get to experience anything, didn't even get to tell my son hello when he was born. Immediately he began to praise. Immediately he probably said, God, Thank you. You are the most high. You are amazing. Thank you for bringing life into uh, uh, what seemed like a barren uterus at the point, right? Thank you for, for changing the circumstance in my life. But not only did he begin to praise, he began to prophesy. And I love that because God will not only give you the language that you need, he will give you the language that somebody else needs in your life. And so in verse 76, it says, and you, my child, he's now speaking over his child, John, who has just been born. You will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord and prepare a way for him, 
to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. You see, Zechariah's faith not only changed his language and allowed him to praise, but then he was able to prophesy over his son and create the journey that his son would walk to eventually hold the savior of the world, dunk him in the river, and baptize him. You see, he brought life to a dead circumstance in, in, in his life, and then he gave life to somebody else. That is conceiving. That is the act of conceiving. And I think that that is what the Lord wants us to know this morning, that conceiving faith in you conceives faith in someone else as well. See, faith is not knowing what the future holds. Faith is knowing who holds the future. And faith also tells us that no matter what the circumstance, God is already there. God is already there waiting for us. And lastly, it tells us that faith in God also means faith in God's timing. Okay? doesn't mean that because I believe in the Lord, everything's going to happen exactly when I want it to happen. It means that I truly believe that God is going to work when he needs to work, how he needs to work. Had John not been born at that time, he wouldn't have been the one that would baptize the Lord. Everything is, ha is happening in the Lord's ordained time. It's also important to know that although Zechariah's faith changed over the course of Luke 1, from, from nothing, right, from barren faith to act, questioning, how are you going to do this? It doesn't make any sense, to ending in song and praise. Although it changed through Luke 1, God's plan for Luke's life never changed. And I need you to know this morning that God's plan for your life has never changed. All you have to do is decide if you're going to walk that line with him or not. And I'll close with this. We saw really how Zechariah's journey of the lack of faith caused him to potentially miss out on all of those special moments with his son, right? But then it also talks about the story of redemption, how he was able to end in literally giving his son life. And not just breath, but the life of the journey that he would lead. And then we talked about how Zechariah's faith affected those closest to him, right? And those moments with his lack of faith, because his mouth was shut, he wasn't able to comfort his wife. He wasn't able to say, hello, son, my name is Zechariah, or father, don't call me by my first name. Uh, you know, <laughs> he, he missed out on those moments. But then he ended in song and praise, and he was able to prophesy over his son. And I love that because now his fulfillment of faith affected those closest to him, he was able to speak that life. And it says that people were astonished when his mouth was open. As soon as his mouth was open and he began to pray, people were like, what is going on? This, this child must be a miracle. So you have to know that your mouth being open affects those around you. You can either have faith that mutes you or you can have faith that unmutes you. And I want you to know this morning that you have the ability to have the faith to unmute your circumstance and to speak life over that as well. If you could just stand with me here this morning. I want to leave you with this because I studied a lot over the scripture. My message probably changed three, four times when studying this. Because at first I really wanted to talk about Elizabeth because she's a woman, right? You want to talk about the woman. God stopped me real quick and he said, no, daughter, that's not it. We have to talk about how the lack of faith can change the circumstances in people's life because I need my sons and daughters to know that their faith can change the, the, the a possible signing of divorce papers. 
I need them to know that literally their faith can change the eviction notice on the door. So I started looking up the name of Zechariah. I wanted to know, what did his name mean? What did God name him? And Zechariah's name means the Lord remembers. Zechariah was named Zechariah before he even doubted the Lord. The Lord named his son Zechariah because he knew that one day Zechariah would need to remember what God had planted in his life. The Lord knows your cries this morning. He knows your prayers and he knows your requests. No matter how long you've been praying for and you think that, well, God, I'm praying for the same thing over and over and over again. He knows. So then I said, you know what? I want to also look up the name of John. What does the name of John mean? The name of John means the Lord has been gracious. He allowed him to conceive a life that said, son, even though you had lack of faith, my grace is sufficient for your lack of faith. So I give you your son named John because I have been gracious to you over your life. And I want you to know this morning that regardless of your level of faith, the Lord is gracious and he will come through and he will do what he said he will do and all of his words will not come back void. His word says that. So if that's you this morning, I just want, to I just want you to close your eyes in this moment. I, I really want you to think about where you're at. Is your faith tank empty? Is your faith tank barren? Maybe you've been praying for something all year, and in the beginning of 2019, God told you he was going to do it, but now you're worried because there's only two weeks left of the year. I want to pray for you this morning and let you know that God will answer regardless of the number of days left in this year. Or maybe, maybe you're on the other side, right? where you haven't even been able to pray the salvation prayer because of your lack of faith in thinking that you're good enough to be saved. That you're good enough for the Lord to give his life for you. That you're good enough for him to have his hands nailed to a cross and say, God, take me. I want to pray for you this morning. If you're either one of those this morning, I just want you to lift your hands in this moment. Nobody's watching. All eyes are closed. And I just wanted you to repeat after me. God, I love you. I know that you gave a life for mine. And that Jesus lived a life that I should have lived. And he died a death that I should have died. But because of your grace and because of your mercy, I know that I can be with you in eternity one day. Forgive me for my lack of faith, not only in this season, God, but in the seasons that I have experienced in my life. And create anew in me a faith to not only help myself, but to help those around me. In Jesus' name, amen.